And I can't wait till we get to this tonight. Church is important because it provides relationships here that help encourage you to live a godly life. I got to have accountability in my life. Many of you make decisions all by yourself. You don't have anybody that can check you. Look, not only can my wife check me, I got four or five friends that just can get in my grill. And you can check me if you want to, too. And if it's constructive criticism, you know, I'll find a way to receive it. And all of us need somebody in our lives to shoot straight with us. Many of us do not have that Nathan, and we all do. All right, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This is the verse we're going to go through tonight. Let's just take it slide by slide, and then we'll break that thing down as we go, get through it. I'll read first. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more <laughs> disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples, right? You got that, right? So what did he do, everybody? Read that verse right there. So he left what? And he went back once more to Galilee. I can't wait to talk about that. Verse 4. Verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. I love that. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the what? And it was about what time, everybody? Noon. All right, verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Verses 9, the Samaritan woman said, You a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus then answered her, if, woman, you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, mm. you would have asked him, and he would have given you life-giving life. Hallelujah. Verse 11 says, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Verse 13 says, Jesus answered, I love this conversation, everyone, come on somebody, who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Verse 15 says, the woman said to him, sir, how many want that water? He said, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Amen. It's my favorite part, Pastor. All right. He told her, go call your husband and then come back. <laughs> I have no husband, she replied. <laughs> Jesus, and this is my favorite part, <laughs> Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, <laughs> you have had five husbands. Uh-huh. And the man you now have, can I finish this, Elder? Go ahead. Is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, (laughs) I can see that you are a prophet. (laughs) Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. <laughs> Verse 28, then, G, then leaving her water jar, oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. 
Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Amen. Everybody repeat after me. Thy word, Thy word. is a lamp, a lamp unto my feet, my feet. And, a and a light unto my path. The word, the word of God, of God is, is my, my big, book. big book. Now I want you to look at your neighbor right now and I want you to give him a nice firm handshake and shake it off. Uh, I mean, shake the hand off and say, tonight is your night. Come on, tell him tonight is your night. <coughs> now put something in that hand. Amen. All right, let's, let's get it, everybody. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. We're going to have a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, right now, we just need water. Oh, yeah. We need fresh water. Water that will get us to a place where we won't thirst for nothing no more. Hook us up tonight, God. Speak, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout, Amen. 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 If you love Jesus, let me hear you holler, Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go. Samaritan surgery, Samaritan surgery. Here's our next step, our next two, rather. Step six and step seven. Read it with me. We We are entirely entirely ready ready to have God remove all these these defects defects of of character. character. You'll notice first, we've told ourselves that we're going to admit what our problem is. Then we realize there's a higher power. At this point now, we're ready for God to go in and take it out. This step does not come easy. How many know it doesn't come easy? Go back, go back to that slide, Pastor, very quickly. This does not come easy. I mean, it is just, it does not, it's, it's again, it goes against the, psych, the psyche of human nature for us to be ready to remove all. Somebody say all. All. And listen, I mean, you know that song that we sing, all to Jesus, I surrender, all to him I freely give. And y'all just be, I will ever love and trust him. But we be lying. We be lying. I mean, how many of us can say, don't raise your hands, that you are at a point where you're ready to give absolutely everything to Jesus? Let's be honest. Most of us have something that we're holding on to, and we're waiting for God to come take it to us before we give it up. Yeah. All right? Number seven. Step seven. Read it with me. We humbly ask him to remove all of our shortcomings. Let us give you a quick illustration or a quick example. Mm -hmm. Surgery is healing. Most medical professionals take what we call the Hippocratic Oath before they go into the medical profession. And even though I think the word, the exact phrase is not written in there, there is a principle in the Hippocratic Oath that basically says, we will not do any harm. But really, even when medical professionals take that oath, they are in a sense not being completely genuine because in order to heal sometimes, you do have to harm people. Oh, man. Come on. No, dude. We just started, man. Okay. So when somebody has cancer or they have a, something internally wrong with them, right. usually a doctor has to go in, as we're seeing on the screen right now, cut them wide open, remove whatever it is inside of them, bring it out, and in order for them to do that, they're going to have to cause some type of harm. Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. So surgery, in a sense, is healing. Yeah, surgery is healing, and surgery is painful. Uh, that's why you have to have anesthesia, because in order for, in order for a physician to help save your life, mm-hmm. then they have to cut you. Y'all not hearing us, I hear. In order for you to be healed, Mm -hmm. you have to go through pain. You cannot have healing without pain. As a matter of fact, the only reason why the body feels pain is because the body is sending you a message simply saying you need healing. Something is wrong. And it is the beginning process of pain. One of the things I did not realize until I got older is the common, you know what a common cold is not, there's no cure for it. Anybody want to know? Because you're not supposed to. 
You're not supposed to cure the cold. You know why? Because the cold is actually curing you. The whole purpose of a cold is to rid you of inner impurities in your life. And you up here taking NyQuil, trying to, trying to get better, man. The nighttime sniffling, stuffy ache, fevers, so you can rest medicine, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, the NyQuil, all NyQuil does is deal with symptoms. NyQuil does not heal the cold. Yeah. If NyQuil could heal you, you wouldn't need to take NyQuil. You yeah. would just take it one time, right? Mm-hmm. So understand this. Now, what we're simply saying is this, that in order for healing to take place, sometimes you've got to go through the process of pain. Absolutely. All right, so tonight we want to start with this. Oh, yes. First and foremost, Pastor, I don't know if you believe this First, or not, yes. I'll chime in if you agree. The church is not perfect. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree with it. I think this is one of the reasons people are confused, Pastor. Mm-hmm. They ex- one of the, reason, the number one reason why people leave the church is right. not because of doctrine. It's not because of they leave because of people. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I guess my thing is, and you got to help us out with this. Why is it that people assume that the church they go to, that there are people there that are more righteous than they are? Yeah, I think for the most part in most churches, we pride ourselves on not being authentic, not being transparent at all, at all yes. and not being willing to admit our faults. Mm-hmm. We just feel better when we can tell people I'm holier than thou, and when we have somebody to compare our righteousness to, it makes us yes. seem bigger, it makes us seem better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. So somebody from the outside who doesn't know anything about church but walks into a church because everybody is holding their Bibles up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody yeah, is yeah, saying yeah. happy Sabbath the way they have been taught mm-hmm. to say happy Sabbath and say they don't do this and they don't do that or they don't go to the movies even though they're watching the same movies at their home. So it really <laughs> yeah. doesn't make a difference. Right. Many people come into the church and they feel like, well, I will not fit into the mold of church because everybody there is perfect. And I know for me, at least, I am not perfect and I'm never going to be perfect. And I think, you know, Here's the thing. I think our churches would grow so much faster mm-hmm. if we took the masks off, if we, if we, if we stopped the be religious real. talk. Be real. Huh? Yeah. Be yeah. real. Be real. Yeah. I mean, really, seriously. Because here's the reason why people don't like church. Because we have built up this reputation ourselves. They didn't do it. We mm-hmm. did. We built up this reputation that we're superhuman. That's right. That we're supposed to be better. Some of you, some of you are the only Christian in your family. And, and your family members can't even relate to you anymore. They, they can't, I mean, you, you can't even hold a conversation with them anymore without you going in on them. Right. I mean, people want to be around people that they are alike. Like draws alike. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be worldly, but at least don't sit around and act like you got it all together. That's yeah. why churches are empty. Right. People do not want to be around fake people. Right. Yeah. I think we go to the extremes as well. You know, people just go off. We'll say, hello, how you doing? Hello, praise God. I mean, just like every little thing. I (laughs) mean, come on, just be real. People think that we are weird at some point as well because we are so heavenly minded that sometimes we are no earthly good. That's right. We're always talking. You don't talk about Jesus all the time. Come on, man. You're not praying all the time. Be a real (laughs) be a real human being that watches sports, that has fun, that lives a normal life so that people can see that the church is not made up of perfect people or perfect robots that all fit in line and come off this conveyor belt of cookie cutter Christians. No, that's not the way it is. And so so let me say this. And what we're about to see in a minute, we're going to see a textbook example of how church is supposed to look. Problem is, is the problem is the, the example you're going to see looks nothing like modern church. It just looks nothing like it. As a matter of fact, let me go first. I mean, we could talk about this all day, mm-hmm. but modern church is nowhere near biblical church. Oh yeah, That's true. What you were raised in, 
And, and, and here's the problem. And one of the reasons why people don't receive this kind of talk is because somebody they loved, be it a pastor or an evangelist, taught them this. Yeah. And so when you come against this philosophy of the way they view church, they feel like you're telling them that whoever taught them this is a liar. Mm. Well, let me just say this. You have always got to be in a position of growth. Whatever you learned in the evangelistic meeting 30 years ago, guess what? It has the ability to evolve and the truth has the ability to be more broadened in your understanding. Never get to a place you get stuck. And here's the thing, Pastor, that bothers me is the minute you start talking about traditional church and the problems with traditional church and how it doesn't look like the Bible, people get offended that you are taking something away from them that that means so much. And this is essentially what we're going to see today in this passage. Right. The bottom line is the church is not perfect. And if you think the church is perfect, it stopped being perfect the moment you and I walked in. That's right. All right. Amen. Here we go. John Chapter four. Let's break this thing down. Let's real break it quick. down. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees Love this. had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Mm. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized Pastor, but it was his disciples. Mercy. And so Jesus left Judea and went back once more into Galilee. All right. The first point we want to make is this. Jesus, everybody repeat this after me. Jesus never allowed things to divert him from his purpose. So, so what's happening here is this. The Pharisees are trying to cause competition between Jesus and John's disciples. So they're trying to stir up division between John. Hey, look, man, John, you were the man. You were the man. You were baptizing everybody. You had the largest church. You had the most members. And now Jesus is on the scene now. And now, and now he's stealing all your members. I mean, now everybody's, they church hopping. They're going over to his church now. And Jesus, as he began, and watch this guy, as he began to see this brewing controversy, what Jesus did is he didn't sit there and try to debate with them. What did Jesus do? He bounced. He busts the move. He says, I can't stay in an environment where people major and minors. There are some of you right now, you are not pursuing your mission because you're always getting diverted from stupid stuff. Right. Stuff that you can't change and stuff that don't matter. Right. I think the Pharisees were trying to instill a sense of jealousy inside Jesus, and they could not because Jesus was so resolute in his purpose. He was not insecure in any manner. He knew who he was. I think the Bible says that he knew where he came from. Yes. And he knew where he was going. Yes. Therefore, he knew who he was at that yes. point right now. And so nobody could deter him from his goal. If you remember very quickly, Jesus even said this to his mother. He told his mama, yes. One day they were going up to the festival, Yes. took Jesus with them, and then they decided to leave. The Bible says that they looked around, and after three days they could not find Jesus, and they went to Jesus and said, Jesus, where were you? We have sought you sorrowing. And Jesus looked at his own mother, have mercy on her, in her eyes and said to her, Mother, I must be about my father's business. My Lord. Even when it comes to people we love, who we think care about us, if at any point they try to divert us from the path that God has given us in life, we must say the same thing to them. I've got to be about my father's business. I don't have time for what you're saying. I know you're trying to help. And what you may be saying may actually be legitimate, but God has not told me that yet. Let me say one of the big, I just think of a quick example. One of the biggest things that diverts people from staying focused, somebody shout focused, from staying focused on your assignment is discouragement. Man, the enemy was trying to use this jealousy tactic on Jesus 
to see to get him discouraged yeah. at pursuing his mission. What many of you right now have taken a vacation from your purpose. You're taking a vacation from praying about your purpose. You ain't, you ain't living on purpose at all. All you're doing is just showing up. That's all you show up, you pay up, and then you go home and shut up. That's all you do. And so what happens is, is when you begin to do that, you are allowing the devil to use his greatest trick. Yeah. And that is to discourage you from pursuing your purpose. When you know your purpose, you got to stay with that thing. All right. Let me read this one. All right. Verse four yep. of John. The Bible says uh, had, now he had to go through. Somebody say he had to go through. So I that one more time. Say he had to go through. I love that. The Bible says now he had to go through where everybody. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Go ahead, Pastor. All right. Next point we want to make is this. Jesus crosses boundaries. Mm. The word of God says Ah, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, geographically speaking, that is the case because Jesus would have had to gone through Samaria in order to get where he was going anyway. It was a straight shot, and the, straightest dist- the shortest distance between two points is, is a straight, straight line. line. That's right. So Jesus would have had to go through there. The problem with this scenario is, is that Jesus is a Jew, and Jews and Samaritans have no dealings with one another. That's right. In fact, they hate each other. Samarians had intermarried with other pagans and heathens at this time, and so most Jews would actually take a circuitous route. They would go up, they would cut over the Jordan River, go up a few miles, cut back over the Jordan River just to avoid the Samaritans at this time. It's just funny how Jesus, how the word of God records that he had to go (laughs) through there. Yes. And Jesus, when he finally got to Samaria, he did not only cross a state line boundary, Jesus crossed cultural boundaries, societal boundaries, he, co- he crossed uh, 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 religious boundaries that's at right, this that's time right, that's right. just to get to this woman. And I'm just happy today that God does not miss divine appointments. Yes, yes. I am thanking God that there is no boundary, even my own sin, that can keep Jesus out of my life when he wants to come in. Jesus was out. That's a very good point, Pastor. Jesus was out of the box and progressive before people even use that phrase. Understand this, and, you know, I, and I, I love talking about this. I'm so glad that our church is being open <coughs> to women in ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, bo- it bothers yeah, yeah, yeah. me to yeah. the core that, that Christians have an issue with Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you have an issue with women in ministry, you have an issue with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because if you study the scriptures, what Jesus is doing, let me tell you another reason, another boundary that Jesus crossed. Yeah. In those days, women were only seen as sex objects, right. as incubators for children, and as help in the house. Mm-hmm. When Jesus went to this woman that we're going to see momentarily, and he loosed her for ministry, he was showing us that now that there's, we're under this dispensation of grace, that there are no, there are, there is no, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither male nor female. Mm-hmm. There is only one calling card for ministry in God's army, and that's willingness. And just again, we don't see this in modern church. That's right, that's right. We have all of our rules, all of our traditions, and we almost think that our traditions are Bible. That's right. I mean, I'm telling you, if Jesus came here today, we would throw him out and try to kill him just like they did then because Jesus came against tradition. Mm-hmm. Some of y'all love tradition because in tradition, you, you don't have to be real. We're going to talk about it in a minute. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk yeah, about yeah. it. All right, all right. I think <laughs> Jesus as well 
is only concerned with saving people by any means necessary. There is no boundary for him. And we know that Jesus is antithetical to the church today, or what he did back then is antithetical to what we're doing right now. We're still afraid of homosexuals. Yeah. Yeah, y'all don't want to say amen, so I'm going to talk to the pastor right yeah, here. Yo, but when you said that, you had like yeah, one yeah. person. That was, uh, that was uh, Carol. She was like, yeah, yeah. Everybody else was like, what? Did we want that everybody to be shaped the way we want them to be shaped. Oh, man. We, we only want yeah. certain kind of fish. That's right. Mm-hmm. When we are mm-hmm. as fishers of men, there's only certain fish that we want. Mm-hmm. We don't want all the fish. We don't want no catfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's unclean. Yeah, that's unclean. Unclean, yeah. All we, all we want is, uh, you know what I'm saying, a bass and, and perch and tilapia or whatever. No, like. no. We want them to be clean before we even get oh, them. Oh, we don't. Yes, we want, to, we want them cleaned. Yeah, before they come in. <laughs> we don't want to have to clean them up <laughs> or transform their lives at all. We still got a problem with people wearing jewelry today. If they're wearing jewelry, they're not it's safe. Stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. Jesus is crossing all matter of boundaries. Just to get to this woman, the only thing on his mind is saving her. That's right. Wouldn't it be great if the church had that same mindset today? Oh, man. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, let me say this. Let's go back one more, one more time. Uh, in order to cross boundaries, you have to come out of your comfort zone. Ooh, nah. you, you have to. Here's the thing. I'm going to say it like this. A comfortable church is a church that has been rocked to sleep by the devil. Yes. God, God does not live in comfort. He doesn't. He don't want us comfortable. The minute you get comfortable, you get proud, you get lazy, and, and, and then you start picking and choosing who you want to hang with. But you know, one of the things I just can't understand about church people, and I'm not talking about Christians, I'm talking about church people, is somebody walks into church and you've never seen them before. Like, why are you not, like, trying to say hello or speak to them? I mean, how do you walk past somebody and don't speak to them? I just don't get... How do you get mad over a seat? How do you, I mean, listen, no, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. For, no. Do you honestly think that that is the spirit of Christ? Is it the spirit of Christ to still be judgmental to people because they do not fit our clique and our style of what we think a seventh day Adventist is? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We lose more people than we keep. Uh, I'm on this horse now. So, you know, man, the crazy thing is, Pastor, people always try to make it seem like in the good old days, back in the day, church was always better, right? See, everybody wants the church that they joined because it reminds them of the good old days. You want the church, and typically that's the church when you were young, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I ain't gonna call no big names. So if you came in the church when they were there, the church is always better then. And simply what you're saying is, is I'm living in the past. I'm living in the past. Church can't get any better than it used to be. And you know what you're doing? You're speaking directly against what God has already said about the church. He said the best days of the church are not behind us. The best days of the church are ahead of us. Last thing I'll say is this. People have been leaving God's church. They ain't leaving more now than they did before. If they did, where, I mean, where is all your kids? Me and Coaxum, me and Coaxum go to the, we, we, are not, we at the Cleveland Clinic, Coach. Tell them what happens when we go to the Cleveland Clinic and we're in the malls and stuff. We see people that, we, that have been a part of this church for many years. And, 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 what, and we don't know why they don't come. It's not mm-hmm. that they don't believe anymore. I mean, they still keep Sabbath. Some of them are watching us right now because they will not come here. I'm, oh, let me, let me, while I'm here, let me yeah, yeah, I, I got some stuff to say. Take your time. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. There are some people who will never come back here. Wow. They're not. They're not. Stop praying for them to. They ain't coming back here. Too much pain here. If, if, if somebody abu- was in an abusive relationship, 
and the, and the abuse has not changed or the abuser is still there, do you send them back to that? Y'all don't know. There are some people who cannot come back to here because there are certain people here that they cannot, they cannot be in their presence. Let's just be real. Let's just be honest, saints. There are some people who are just not going to return here. We got to pray. Salvation is not in Glenville. Salvation is of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, we've got to be willing to cross boundaries for other people. The problem with church folk is we are considered weird and we are considered a cult and a clique because we don't have any non-church friends. All of our friends are church folk. We don't even know how to relate properly to other people that are in the world. And how do we expect to minister or witness to people that we're afraid of or we don't want to get tainted by? If you're always afraid of being tainted by somebody who is not of the household of faith, that means your faith is weak. You can't stand your ground. You have to constantly be influenced and you're always going to succumb to the pressure every single time. That means your faith in God mm, is weak. Mm, mm. We have to be able and willing to cross boundaries for people to say, listen, brother, I know that your lifestyle is not right right now, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm willing to be your friend. I'm willing to work with you. I still love you, and I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they breathe. They breathe, y'all. They breathe. They breathe. They're humans. They breathe. Amen? Let's, let's keep it moving. Yeah, uh, somebody it. shout, cross boundaries. <laughs> All right, verse uh, 6. Go ahead, Pastor. Jacob's well was there. Uh huh. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, <laughs> sat down by the well, and it was about noon. Mm-hmm. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Uh-huh. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Mm-hmm. The Samaritan woman said to him, Sir, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Go ahead, Pastor. Next point. Next point is this, everybody. Whatever God asks you for, is not worth holding on to. <laughs> Can we say that one time before yeah. Pastor jumps off on this thing? Repeat that. Where, where is it? Where to go? Here it goes. Whatever God asks you for, it is not worth hold, he, In other words, he's got something better. Go ahead, Pastor. Yeah. Break this down. Jesus basically asked her for a drink, and we're really being symbolically spiritual yes, right now, but yeah, Jesus yeah. asked her for a drink, and she's not re- really willing to give it to him because she does, either she does not trust him or Jesus is Samaritan, what have you. And Sister White has a, a very profound statement. She says that God never asks us to give up anything that it is in our best interest to retain. Mercy. In other words, whatever God asks us to give up, it's ultimately going to take us to hell anyway. She, he will never ask yes. us to give up anything that is ultimately good for us that will lead us into heaven. Whatever God asks us for, it is ultimately bad in the first place. And if we hold on to it, it will take us nowhere closer to God. Basically, what what, what Pastor is saying is this, that God actually means your good. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why people do not trust God to surrender to him is because they just don't trust him. I mean, you come on. If you really trusted God that he had your best interest at heart, you give him whatever he asked for. Because you just know 
that whatever he's he's got something better for you. Let's keep going, going here. Well, let me say, let me say go ahead, okay, go ahead. Jesus is just asking this woman for a drink. She's not willing to give him that. And then he says to her, I could, if you knew who I was, I would give you yes. life-giving yes. water. <laughs> and I think sometimes we are That's not aware of yes. the transaction that happens when we have faith in God. Uh -huh. What we have to give God is not worth what God can really give us. Mm. The little God asked for is liter literally, it is myopic, it is minuscule, it is minute, it is nothing in comparison to what God wants from, uh, what God is willing to give us. In fact, she even says that there are blessings in heaven that mm. are like wrapped presents that God wants to give his people. But because we are not both willing to ask and we are not both willing to give up what God has asked from us, we will never get those blessings in our lives. God is willing to open up the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing that we don't even have room to receive it. But because we hold on to the little foolishness, the trash and the garbage that we have no business having in the first place, God cannot bless us in the way that he wants to. When we have faith in God, yes. a transaction happens where God takes our sinful, evil, wicked life that will take us straight to hell and covers it with his robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. Let's keep going here. Verse 11 says, uh, now the woman's talking back. I love this conversation. Oh, yeah. Sir, the woman said, uh -huh. you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. She don't know who she's talking to. Where can you get this living water you're talking about? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself. We're going to really cut to the chase on this point. But I, 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 we got to read it, though. As did also his sons and his livestock. Uh, verse 13, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The next oh, yeah. point that we want to make is wells are what we self-medicate on. What, what are your wells? She was so fixated. I mean, basically, your girl, I mean, and it's funny because we all know her story, right? Homegirl got some serious issues. She got, some, she got five skeletons in her closet, don't she? And another skeleton that ain't in the closet, amen? So, like, before we even get there, she's just trying to have this deep spiritual conversation. And she's so fixated on this well that's attached to her history and her culture and the church that she came into and her tradition. And this is all I know, so I'm just going to go with all I know. And God was like, yo, the well that you're tripping on, it won't, I mean, I got something deeper than that. I yeah. mean, your well is temporary and my well is forever. Yeah. Yo, stop. Why are you fixated on this well? And many of us are preoccupied with wells that really do not satisfy. Yeah, many children today have places of security or they have a security blanket. They have places that they find safe and secure that they relate safety to. And when a child is in trouble or they're going through something, they'll ask for their favorite toy. Yeah. They'll ask for their little blanket or they'll ask to go <laughs> to a, a specific place that provides them a sense of at least mental comfort. Yeah. For many of us today, we have wells that, are, that serve the self-same purpose. Yeah. And most of our wells are not God. Right, right. We would be right, really right, good right. Christians if when we went through issues, the first place we went was to our prayer closet. <laughs> right, right. Many right. of us do not. 
some of us, our well is money. As long as I got money in the bank, I feel safe and secure. I don't even really need God and I don't need anything else. Mm -hmm. Some of us, our well is a a relationship with a guy or a girl. For some people, and I have to be honest and blunt right here, Pastor. For many people, uh, uh, one well is sex itself. I thought we was in rehab. We could be real today. I I, I don't know. I I thought we could. Some people feel that they are not loved unless they, can, they are having sex with somebody. Yeah, sex says love. I wish somebody would holler back in. You know, sex is a crazy subject, Pastor. You know yeah. why? Because everybody wants it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's either having it or they want it, but nobody's talking about it. Yeah, free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say amen. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes you got to say amen to amen. your own stuff. Because you know you ain't going to get one. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother. I got a witness there. <laughs> Some people have the well of anger. Well, and I appreciate my man, uh, uh, Russell, last night. It's like the only way certain people know how to respond when stuff happens to them is to get angry. That's their security blanket. That's where they go. They're the mad person. They're always mad. You know how you you ever seen those those memes, you know, like, you mad? Some of y'all know, it's like, yeah, I'm talking about social media right people right now. Some of y'all always mad. You mad about everything. I mean, what are you mad? I mean, like... You, the only way you know how to deal with life is to be angry. Yeah. All right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. You have to ask yourself today, what is your security blanket? Yeah. What is your place of refuge? Right. And really, what is your well? Ask yourself these questions. When you're angry or when you're sad or somebody makes you upset, what is the first thing that you think about doing? For some people, they go to their computer, they look at pornography. For some people, they take out a big tub of ice cream, sit before the TV, watch their favorite movie, and they eat themselves to sleep. Some people will go shopping. Some people will do this and do that. Whatever your well is, God is basically trying to tell us that you self-medicating yourself is not helping you at all. Our security blanket should be God at all times. Whenever I'm going through trouble, whenever I'm going through any type of problem, I just immediately have an innate sense within me. I'm going to my knees to tell God about the issue that I'm going through. Amen. Let's go to verse 15. We keep stepping. We're going to keep stepping. Yeah. And I like this point right here. The woman said to him, I love this. I love this sister right here. Sir. She real. Give me this water. But she's about, she about to get real. <laughs> she ain't real yet. <laughs> she's about to get real. She's about to get real. Uh, he says, sir, give me this water so that I, can, I, I won't get thirsty and, and have to keep coming here to draw water. Mm-hmm. The next point we want to make is people are curious. Pastor, this is yours. Mm-hmm. And don't always know what they are thirsty for. Right. Jesus was talking to her of spiritual things, but she didn't really know exactly what, she what Jesus was talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Now, the fact is, this woman was out there at noon. The Bible says that very clearly. Most scholars would say that because she was out there at noon during the hottest part of the day, <laughs> most women would not go out there during that time. So she probably was ostracized by her community. People did not like her for whatever reason. She didn't have any friends. Mm. Uh, nobody really cared for her or loved her at any point in her life. And so she's out there by herself. And then she's asking Jesus, sir, please, whatever it is you're talking about, I don't know what it is, but I need something in my life. Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to this place of security or to this well to draw water. At the end of the day, some people do not even know what it is that they need. Yes. And they are just curious. It kind of reminds me of the story when Jesus came off of the mountain of transfiguration where there's a man there who has a demon-possessed son. Yeah. And Jesus says, listen, do you believe? He said, well, sir, I, I mean, I believe, but help thou my belief. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't really know exactly, yes. but I, I want to believe. Yeah. Help me understand what I should do. 
Yeah, uh, basically, uh, the point we want you to understand here, especially as a church person, as a Christian who's seeking to minister, the assumption is, is that people need church. Like, let, let me just tell you something not to do. Do not invite people to church before you invite them into your circle. Jesus did not do that. I mean, like, we're so pressed. Oh, come to my church. Come to my church. Here's a track. Here's a track. Oh, come to the meeting. Come to the meeting. And that's all we want to do with them. And when they get there, we have nothing to do with them. It amazes me. I hear people saying stuff all the time like, oh, yeah, we did baptize all those people, but where are they? You tell me. You tell me where they are. Oh, am I supposed to keep them? We supposed to keep them? I mean, elders supposed to keep them? I mean, really. I mean, it's just like, almost like, people are people. And they have hopes, they have dreams, they have fears, they have families, they have needs. And what Jesus demonstrates to us is that the way to reach people is not to always shove down them religion, but to find out what their point of need is first. I don't know if everybody's hearing me in here. All right. I think we got it. All right. So Christ shows us how to do church just in these first couple of verses, all right? Let me say this right yeah. now. And if Christ is our example on how to do church, notice that Jesus at this point is not even in one. Ah, that's right. Actually, he's in a foreign land where he has no business being in the first place. No, he's in a foreign land. He's hanging at wells. Christians ought to hang at wells. Oh, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. I mean, we ain't telling you to go up in the club and stand on top of the bar and start preaching to people because you might get converted by the club. We ain't saying that. Yo, they be preaching yeah. next thing you know. They be. Yeah, yeah. Doing the Dougie and all that. Right. <laughs> but we are telling you to be real. Go to the mall from time to time. Yes. Have some fun. Go to Cedar Point. Get yes. to know somebody. Talk to somebody and let them know about what you believe. Amen? Yes. All right. Yes. So here's the main point. The main point. Step six and seven. Read this with us. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Then step seven. We humbly asked him to remove all of our shortcomings. Has to help us. All right. God is thorough. All right. uh, Craig Long, he's one of my mechanics. You know, he... He's a good man. The guy, Brian, I take my car to him. One of the things about a good mechanic when you have a car, and some of you actually don't like this. Some of you don't like it. Some of you, like, need an oil change, right? Anybody been to those lube places where you need an oil change? And you take your car, and I, I don't know, some of them try to run game on you. But so, but so you take your broke-down, beat-up car that you ain't got an oil change in, like, 10,000 miles. Huh? You don't, you, ain't, you, ain't, you, ain't, you don't do nothing else to it. You don't change no fluids. Tell the truth. Y'all don't, you don't be taking care of your car. You don't. You don't do nothing. And so you go in there, tell them, I just need an oil change. And so while they're looking at the oil change, they say, oh, my goodness, you have issues with your transmission. And we're noticing that your rings are getting low and your engine is running hot and so forth and so on. And then they give you this long bill, right, of showing you all the stuff that you need to do. And then you're mad now. You're mad. You're like, hold on. I brought my car in here just because I need an oil change. I ain't getting all this done. But see what they're doing, and I appreciate, especially a good mechanic, a good mechanic will say, look, yo, okay, I'll, I'll change the brakes. But look, if I change these brakes and I don't change these rotors, it's going to damage your brakes. I mean, if I change your brakes and you don't deal with this, with this, with this, with this fuel problem that you got, then it ain't going to matter. One of the things I don't do is I'll never wash my car when I know I need work on it. I know that's a problem. But to me, it's just kind of stupid to be driving around with a clean car and it's smoking in the back. That's just I. I mean, I got armor all on my tires, right, right, right. but I got issues with my car. 
A good mechanic is thorough. Yes. At the same time, Pastor, mothers are thorough. Some of you probably can agree with this. My mother, Brenda Coulson, when I was growing up back home, she would tell me, John, wash the dishes. Now, I hate washing dishes, but I would do it because my mom told me to. Wash the dishes and run out. Then she would grab me by my ear and pull me back and say, son, when, you, when I tell you to wash the dishes, not only do you wash the dishes, but you dry them, you wipe off the countertops, you put things right in the cupboard, you clean the floor, you sweep it and you mop it, you wipe off the table, you get everything clean, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you just have clean dishes and everything around, you're walking on the floor, there's trash everywhere, you got dirt and grime everywhere, the kitchen itself is not clean. And so what God is after with us is cleaning us up holistically. God does not want to take us piece and parcel and fix us like this. No, sometimes he does it in a progressive state, but God is after making us whole completely. Who says amen? Yeah, basically this woman is going to him. And here's the main point. I love this shift right here in the text. What's hap- what we just read about is this woman is stonewalling Jesus mm-hmm. because she's hiding something. She's trying to have, Richard, a theological conversation. So what well did he, did he where, where is he from? And, and Jacob is our father, and I don't know what your father is. And what do you believe in? We believe in the Sabbath, and I don't know if you work on Sunday, and, but the investigative judgment, and, and Jesus Christ <laughs> coming soon, and when he's coming back. And so what they're doing, and I see this in Sabbath school all the time. It amazes me, you go to Sabbath school classes, and, they, and, we, and we like, I mean, everybody's deep. We're prognosticating about the word and what God showed us on Tuesday and, and what he showed us on Thursday. But it's like, it, I mean, it's not even protocol in, in Sabbath school to say, look, y'all, I need y'all to pray for me. I, I mean, I got high this week. Yeah, we don't like that. Yeah. See, people love to stonewall so that you don't have to get past the fake exterior of church and get to the real situation. So Jesus is indulging her right now. I'm going to let you pass and take this thing right here. Jesus is indulging her, and she's just trying to get deep with Jesus, and she's trying to, you know, get off theological, and da, 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 da. But Jesus has something thorough that he's trying to do with her. He wants to go beyond simply having a discussion about whether the Sabbath is a Sabbath or whether Sunday is. And many of us in our ministry, that's the only place we want to get. We just want to prove to people that they are wrong and that we are right. But there are deeper issues in their lives. They don't care nothing about no Sabbath right now. They got other stuff that they are dealing with. And so watch what Jesus does. Yeah, Jesus is not playing any games with this woman. Yeah, he doesn't play. The divine psychologist, <laughs> the divine psychiatrist <laughs> is trying to get down to the root of her problem. Yes. Pastor, when we counsel people, we ain't looking to play no games, yeah. man. I yeah. mean, tell us the truth. Yes. If you're doing this thing, then tell, we can't help you. We cannot bring you back to a sense of normalcy unless you tell us that the nasty evil, wicked, downright gritty truth so we can bring some help to you, all right? Uh-huh. So look at this text. John 4 and verse 16. He told her, go call... <laughs> Lord have mercy. Go call your husband and come back. <laughs> like, how did he just get... That was yeah, abrupt. No, no, that was random. That was very abrupt. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> was very random. <laughs> yeah, for him to ask that. It's like, it's, it's not a prerequisite. He didn't have to shake her husband's hand in order to give her this water. But Jesus said... He told her, go call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, Ah! (laughs) You know what, sis? You're right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. You make a good point there. Now that I think about it, you really don't have a husband. And when you say you have no husband, the fact of the matter really is that you have had how many? (laughs) The man you have now is not your husband. 
What you have said is quite true. <laughs> Jesus is being really sarcastic here. What did you say, Pastor? I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Yo, Jesus is something else, man. I mean, your girl is just like, yeah, man, and we worship on this mountain. And, and what mountain y'all worship on? And, and what church you go to? And, and tell me, where your husband? <laughs> like, I'm done. I'm done having this conversation about 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 your theology and, and your uncle and, and who and your dad was a pastor and such. And such. Hey, where your husband? at? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus, man, this is and this is the thing that we do. I'm just laughing at myself. Because we try so desperately to not let him in. <laughs> we don't want people to get inside and see that we are cruddy. Yeah. We are. Anybody ever done anything? No, I'm not just talking about lying about like your age. I'm talking about like anybody done something. For real. He's going, he's coming for it. Go ahead. Yeah, here's the point. God is not about band-aids, man. Now, you do know Band-Aids really don't do anything. You do know that, right? They just cover up the wound. In fact, the best thing for you to do, sometimes my mom used to tell me, you know, your cut needs to get air so that that thing could heal. God is not about that. And if I'm bleeding internally, y'all better believe I need more than a Band-Aid to help me out, okay? I need somebody to go in and get down to the root of the problem and help me out with this thing. God is not about just pacifying you for a moment. The Word of God says that when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to begin saving us, the first thing that it does is to convict us of sin. Oh, man, help me. He's not the happy spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Does not come to help us speak in tongues all the time and give us a warm, fuzzy, bubbly feeling inside of us when we come to church. The Holy Spirit is coming inside of us to root out of us, to scoop out of us, to clear out all the clutter so God can get a word in and really start a work on our lives to help us, man. Ah, boy, praise the Lord. Let's go to the next line. The Bible says in verse 19, we're almost done here. Sir, the woman said, after he, bu- after he busted her stuff, I can see that you are a prophet. <laughs> he had to call her out for her, for her to admit that. He says, our ancestors worshipped on, and look, oh, there she goes again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, this man just exposed you. Like, uh, so, but we're so, you know, all right, our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you uh, Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So they arguing again where you should worship. Verse 25 says, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ. There she goes again. It's coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Uh, the woman said, I know, uh, uh, verse uh, 26, uh, then Jesus, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you. Oh, yeah. Am he? Mm-hmm. Verse twenty-eight. The Bible says, "Then leaving her water jar." <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the word. That's the word. Ah. That's the word. That's the word. Ah, yeah. Yes. Hallelujah. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, "Come see a man, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> who told me everything." How many? She had some men, but she ain't had a man like this before. I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Don't be afraid oh, yes. of God getting in your business. One of the things about an iceberg is they say that 90% of an iceberg is not above water, but it's underwater. Uh, the, the Titanic didn't know that. That's why it went down. And so many of us find ourselves in the same tragic situations because this is your life right here. That's your life. Your life is like 10% of what people see. And the rest of it is beneath the surface. And Jesus is trying to go swimming. 
He's trying to get deep beneath the surface. Well, listen, we talked about this in the office. But for some of us, it's just too painful. It is a psychological fact that people do not like exposure. They don't want to see themselves. It's so much easier, Russell, to tear up everybody else. It's my ex-husband. It's my kids. It's the church. It's the pastor. All that is is stonewalling and avoiding dealing with one's self. But here's the real problem, Pastor. Yes. The truth of the matter is you really can't hide anything from God. <laughs> yes. Are you serious right now? Like, seriously, you're going to try to hide it from God? The Word of God actually says that we are all naked before the Lord. Mm -hmm. God knows our hearts more than he knows the outside. God knows what we are thinking. God know, knows what we are going to ask for before we even ask it from him. For you to be foolhardy enough to try to keep something away from God is simply hindering the healing process that could happen today for a later time. Yeah, you're hiding stuff from him that he can already see. Yeah. Uh, as we close, we're going to give you an example of this. In Genesis 3, it's a perfect example. The Bible says, then the eyes of both of them are open. Here's this, 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 the goal of Satan is to get you preoccupied with others and not with yourself. It says the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were what? Oh, ain't nobody want to be naked. Anybody ever have like that dream before that you're like standing before a crowd of people naked? <laughs> I'm just, not gonna lie. I mean, that's like the worst. That's like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, and so what did they do when they were naked? And before it was cool to be naked. But once sin comes in, it wasn't cool to be naked. So what happened is, is they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8 says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. Now, they were not created to have this happen. But the Bible says, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the what? And they did what? They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Let me make this point real quick, Pastor. Here's the thing. Sin causes you to hide. I mean, this is the first occurrence of sin in the Bible, right? And the first thing they did when they sinned was hide. So don't tell me you don't run. Everybody got a little Jonah in them. Were they running from something? It is sin wants you to hide from God. Even though God can see you as you are, you are trying to avoid healing. There can be no healing without getting cut open. And without exposure, they hid. Yeah, the thing I like about this text is that as soon as they eat from the tree, mm -hmm. and as soon as they begin to hide themselves with fig leaves, God is in the garden. Hallelujah. Yes. Everybody yes. just missed that. Okay. Yes. He does not wait for them to call out to him. Hallelujah. He does not wait for something else to happen. Yes. As soon as they sin, yes. the, where are you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you Something's okay? wrong. Yeah, Something yeah, is yeah, wrong yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What's going on? Who told you that you were naked? Yeah, yeah. God, the, the fallacy that we have in our minds is that we are pursuing God. Oh, man. God is pursuing us. Mm relentless pursuit. Mm. He will stop at nothing. I think one scholar, I think it was uh, Spurgeon, said that God is the hound of heaven. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He sniffs us out like a bloodhound just to find us wherever we are to bring us back to safety and for us to hide from him or to keep certain things from him. It's a travesty before God. Now, I'll say one more thing. Yes, sir. Even in our prayer life, and I think you mentioned this earlier today, man, we have to learn to be honest with God. Uh, yeah. Amen. <laughs> 
I mean, just be honest with him. God, I really want to do this thing. <laughs> yes. See, nobody wants to receive that thing, yes. man, because they're afraid to tell, because God is so holy, he's high and lofty, I can't tell this to God. No, God, I really want to do this, and unless you open a door for me of escape, I am going to That's do right. it. That's I'm right. putting this in your charge right now. I need your help. That's right. That's right. One of the amazing things is the Bible says that he, he must needs go through Samaria. I like the King James Version. Yeah, yeah. He must, he had to go through Samaria because God is on a mission to save your soul. The amazing thing is, is that a lot of times our view of what God wants to do in our lives and what God actually wants to do are in conflict with each other. What we want, we just want God to bless us. Just bless me, bless me, bless me. Just bless me, just, just bless me. Money, cars, wives, children, blessings, wow. blessings. Just clothes, clothes, just bless me. I want a house, just bless me. Just, I just want to walk in, I just want to walk in favor. Favor everywhere, favor. Touch your neighbor and say favor. Favor, favor, favor today. Just, I mean, I just want blessings, blessings. I just want to swim in blessings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to swim in money. I want to swim in overflow. Yeah. Ah, I want to be blessed. And God is like, yeah, that's cool, but I would really like to bless you. That's not blessing you. That's tipping you. If I blessed you, I'd be thorough with you, and I would deal with what you need living water. Yeah. That's what you need. Yeah. Go to this text for us, Pastor. Revelation yeah. 3. Revelation 3.20. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door, and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Well, now, what is this text saying? The Word of God says that Jesus is standing at the door, the door of our house, the door of our hearts. And he's standing there, and he's not. He's just going to knock. But because Jesus is a gentleman, he ain't going to kick down the door, even though he can, and come barging into your life. He ain't bruh man from he, the fifth floor. <laughs> from the fifth floor, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not going to kick down the door, yeah. but he's knocking on the door, hopefully that you will open the door and he can come in. And here's what Jesus is after. Jesus is not after a casual mid-afternoon conversation with you on your porch. Oh, Look yeah. at the text. Jesus says, I stand and I knock, but if anyone would just open the door, I'm not going to stand there in the doorway and try to have a conversation with you. I'm coming into your house. I'm going to sit at your table. I'm going to talk to you. We're going to deal with this thing. The Bible even says, let us reason together. Yeah. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they yeah. shall be as wool. God wants to come into our lives, sit at our table, get inside our business, and help us out. Mm. Pastor, that, that cause, that, what, you have just, what you have just said, it, cause, it, it causes me pause. It brings back to my mind a very unpleasant experience that I had recently with my wife, uh, at my side, bless her heart. God bless her. We were at the urologist. Mm -hmm. Oh man, <laughs> about to get, it's about to get real, y'all. I'm 36. Mm -hmm. I'm African American. I'm predisposed to prostate cancer, just because I'm black, and I'm a man. But they're not supposed to check you till you're 40. <laughs> My Lord. But that woman. <laughs> oh, this one right there in the green dress. Last row, waving her hand in the air. 
going to say to the doctor, as I'm in there for a routine check, as a matter of fact, he's not even a urologist. It was my family doctor. <laughs> Doc, uh, 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 why not check him now? I began to uh, look for, uh, uh, the, the, you know, isn't there supposed to be some confidentiality about my, my health? I mean, can she talk? So the doc, man, was like, okay, take off your clothes. I'm done. <laughs> I know many of you are, are, are resisting the urge to visualize. Oh, yeah, we're, we're resisting. <laughs> we encourage you to do that. I'm going to tell you right now, though, I, I was hoping that this would occur at 40 and really not hoping that it would occur then. <laughs> and I know every man in here dreads that experience. Oh, yeah. But he had to check me. Yeah. He, would, he couldn't check me if I didn't get vulnerable. I'm going to tell you right now, that experience, and I will leave the rest out, was the most uncomfortable experience in my life. All right? <laughs> watch it, watch, watch it. Watch. <laughs> oh, ladies, just close your ears for a second. Bro brothers, talk to me now. But if, and one of the reasons why we avoid that checkup is because it's so personal. It's invasive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting uncomfortable right now. And what I learned is that God cannot prevent me from making, from having a negative experience in my life unless he first takes my clothes off. The word, God. The word. Some of y'all are afraid to get butt naked with God. But guess what? And this is one of the reasons why I tell people all the time. I don't know why y'all trip so much on, like, well, I mean, this. I mean, we trip so much on clothes. And I get it. We preached, we did a whole thing on dress. I get the importance of it. But God don't care. You know why he don't care? Because he looks, man looks on the outward. God ain't looking at people's clothes saying, oh, man, I'm pleased with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know why? Because God can see your outfit. And it looks nice. But then his eyes, he's like, he's like man of steel. His eyes, he's got x-ray vision. They go past your clothes. And they see your heart. Anybody ever sat on an MRI before? When you sit on an MRI, they're not saying, oh, you got nice shoes on. They're looking past your clothes. Because they're looking for something. In order to experience divine healing, you have to experience spiritual nakedness. And pain. <laughs> right, so here's a text. This comes from Steps to Christ. The closer you come to Jesus, the more faulty you will appear in your own eyes. Mm, mm -mm. For your vision will be clearer, and your imperfections will be seen in broad and distinct contrast to his perfect nature. This is evidence that Satan's delusions have lost their power and that the vivifying influence of the Spirit of God is arousing you. Go ahead, Pastor. No deep-seated love for Jesus can dwell in the heart that does not realize oh, its wow. own sinfulness. Wow. wow. The soul that is transformed by the grace of Christ 
will admire his divine character. But if we do not see our own moral deformity, it is unmistakable evidence that we have not that that we have not had a view of the beauty and excellence of Christ. Yeah, so a couple of things right here. You can know that you have a relationship with God. I mean a real relationship with God. When you start to realize how many faults you have in your life. <clears throat> when you recognize how much sin is in your life. When you recognize like David at one point in your life. I am a sinner undone. Or like Paul, I am a wretch undone. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? When you recognize, man, I, I am worse than the worst infidel on this planet. God has died for my sins and I do not deserve it. That's how you know you have a real relationship with God. This thing says it is unmistakable evidence that we have not had a view of the beauty and excellence of Christ. You, uh, case, a good example as we close is Isaiah. In Isaiah, the sixth chapter, the Bible says, in the year that King Isaiah died, Isaiah said this. He said, I saw the Lord. High, he saw him, right? He saw him. He had a vision of God. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He says, and his train filled the temple. And then he began to explain just the glory of the worship experience in heaven as the angels were crying out holy. And the first thing that came out of Isaiah's mouth, hear this, guys. The first thing that came out of, when you are that close to the presence of God, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, woe is the pastor. What was, what was my wife? What, what, was my, what, what were my children? What, what were the people on the corner of St. Clair? What, 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 what were Republicans? What was white people? What was gay people? Mm-hmm. He didn't say that. He didn't say, what was the Philistines? When you see God, the first thing, the first reflex, Kishim, when you see him, what was me? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I am undone. He said, woe is me. Crazy thing about this is, I examine that text. That's in Isaiah 6. In Isaiah 1 through 5, Isaiah is pronouncing woe on everybody else. Woe was this nation? Woe was that nation? Woe was the other nation? But when he saw God, he shut up talking about woe was everybody else. And then he began to declare, woe. It's me. It's me. It's me. Somebody say, it's me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Yeah. Pray, Pastor. Many of us, our problem is we have no problem confiding in other people. But we hate confiding in God. The problem with that is other people cannot help us. <laughs> and God's the only one who can make things right. So we're really afraid of the wrong person. We don't mind telling our friend or our loved one, this is what I'm going through, this is what I'm doing, but we are afraid to get down on our knees and talk to God because we know God is going to shake things up, it's going to be a little painful, but at the end of the day, God has promised us, after he has finished doing his work on us, we'll be much better than when we started. Hallelujah. So we want you to make a decision tonight. Heads about eyes are closed. We want you to put in your mind Right now, Mm -hmm. that thing that is causing you to fake it until you make it, (laughs) that thing that you are covering up, you don't want to share with anybody and you definitely don't do not want to share with God. Put that in your mind 
right now. You know what it is. I don't know what it is. I'm not a prophet. I can't speak for you. But there's something in your life right now that is hindering God from doing the work that he wants to do in your life. A good surgeon, if you have cancer, has to go in and cut out the cancer cells in order to heal you and to make you whole. But if you are not willing, as Jesus says, he stands at the door and knock, to open up that door to him and just be honest and transparent and cry aloud to God, God, I need your help. I am messed up. The best I have to offer you is filthy rags. And unless you come into my life yes. right now, yes. I will be undone. Put that in your mind right now. And for a few seconds, let's just think about that thing. You've got it in your head. And now you want to say, God, I want to give this thing to you. Yes. I do not want it anymore. And be yes. honest with God. Yes. Something that you want to do in your flesh, but you know spiritually this thing is wrong. And if I keep on doing it, I'm going to be messed up. Yes. If that's you today, you just have something in your life that you want to give to God. I just want you to stand to your feet. It's not for everybody. Don't do it for me. Don't do it just because I asked. But if you really feel and you really believe, God, I want to give this to you. Yes. Just stand to your feet right now and acknowledge, God, yes. <laughs> I'm naked and I need you to cover me right Hallelujah. now. Hallelujah. I'm wretched, I'm blind, I'm poor, and I'm naked. Hallelujah. And I want your help in my life. You've been knocking at the door of my life for what seems like forever. Mercy. And I have not made a move yet. Somebody here today, heads are bowed, eyes are still closed. Yes. There's somebody today, I know there's no music playing, but we love it. Actually, we planned it that way. (laughs) We don't want this to simply be an emotional response. We want you to make a real decision for God every time we come into this place. We're in rehab. This is a process. We're just going to get real with God tonight. Maybe there's somebody under the sound of my voice who wants to say, Pastor, I need help. I need special prayer. I need specific and special prayer for my life in order to make this thing work. I am sick and tired of dealing with this thing. I'm seeing other people around me getting blessed. I'm seeing other people enjoy their lives. I cannot get ahead. Every time I take a step forward, it seems like I'm taking five steps backward. And you think it's just an issue that you're dealing with. It's a spiritual issue at the end of the day, brothers and sisters. And if that's you, I just want you to slip out of your aisle and come down front right now. Don't wait on anybody. Don't look around and see if anybody's coming. Just admit to God right now, God, I need your help. Mm-hmm. I need special prayer right now. Mm-hmm. I want to come down. I want to give my life to you all over again. I want to invite you into my life to clean me up from the inside out. Whatever you have to do. That's it. That's it, God. That's it. That's it. Whatever you have to do, God, I want you to do it. If that's your prayer, I want you to come down right now. If you're not real about it, don't slip out of your seat. But if you believe tonight, God, I want you to do whatever you have to do. If you have to take that man out of my life, do it. If you have to remove me out of certain places, do it, oh God. If you, God, have have to do whatever you have to do, God, do it in my life right now. I just accept it, and I receive that thing in my life. If that's you, just slip out of your eye right now. Come, Come down, come down. We just want to pray with you this evening. 
And we can't leave this atmosphere, we can't leave this service without making a specific appeal to you. There is somebody under the sound of my voice as well. Yeah, you want prayer, and yeah, you don't mind standing to your feet. You've done that very often. If I were to ask you, do you love God, you would just raise your hand like everybody else would. But you want to take another step with God. You want to go a little bit higher. You want to say, God, Pastor, I, I want to be baptized. Maybe I want to be rebaptized. Won't you just raise your hand in there? We just want to acknowledge you tonight. We want to make sure that we do that. Baptism is simply this. Baptism is simply saying, God, I want to die with you. And I want to be raised back up into new life. I realize now that my old life will not suffice for what, for happiness or for peace or for joy in my life. I need to bury my life. I want to be like Paul. And I just want to say I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand in the air. We want to put arms around you. Our prayer warriors are even praying right now for you. Even as I'm speaking, we believe the Spirit of God is in this place to make you whole and to heal you all over again. Brothers and sisters, please, we say this at every appeal, but i got to say it again. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. Ooh, wow. And as we said last night, we are Nathan to your David right now. God has sent us, get this, God has sent us with a warrant for your arrest. <laughs> Come out with your hands up. <laughs> Just surrender for, to God. Give it up to him. Say, God, I do not know what I'm doing. I'm just actually, God, I'm just curious right now about you. I don't know anything about your word. I don't know anything about the church. But all I know is this well that I keep on coming back to, I end up thirsty all over again. God, help me yes. to quench my thirst. If that's you, just raise your hand raise in the air, please. Hand. Don't wait, my brothers and sisters. Yes. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't God wait. Bless God bless you. Just raise your hands in the air. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Raise your hands in the air and acknowledge to God. God, I want you in my life. Pastor, yeah. you pray for us when you're ready. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. My God. We always give my you God. time to think this thing through. Yeah. And Pastor has made a passionate my appeal. God. Here's what we are saying. We are a hospital here. Yes. The pastor's sick. Yes. Associate pastors sick. Oh yes. We all. Leaders are sick. Oh yes. Y'all sick. Yeah. Right. We right. all sick. Right. But there is a healer. Yes. Yes, Lord. He's here. He's here. He's here. This is this is what we're saying because some some of you some of you fighting with this thing right now. Mm-hmm. You need to be a part of this kind of family. Yes. You need to. You need to join this church. I ain't mentioned no words about it. You need to join this church. That's right. If you need to do that, whatever way you want to, baptism, transfer, profession of faith, Christian experience, doesn't matter. At this point right now, you need to take that move. God says that I'm, I've been talking to you about change. Yeah. Now I've put you in a hospital. Check yourself in. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Here we go. Let's, 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 on the count of three, My God. if you know you need to be a part of this church for real, not, not, not just coming, mm-hmm. you've been coming. But now it's time to make a decision to go with Jesus all the way, whatever that means. 
I want to counsel with the pastors. I need to know what my next move is, but I need rehab. I need to check myself in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need spiritual rehab in my life, and I know that this is the place where I'm going to be fed spiritual food. I'm here, but I'm not here. And now I want to be in this thing. Oh, yes. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, because y'all know you're here. Two, three. Raise your hand. God bless you, my brothers. God bless you. Anybody else? Raise your hand. God bless you, my sister. Come, 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 come. Anybody else? Yes, Lord. That's right. That's right. Anybody else? Go ahead, Pastor. This is what God does. Our Father and our God. Thank you, O Lord. That you will not settle just for turning over a few stones in our lives. <laughs> but, oh God, you're after the whole kit and caboodle. <laughs> you're willing, oh God, <laughs> to extract all the things that we want to hide from you. The truth of the matter is, God, we cannot hide at all. The word says, God, we are naked before you, and we need your help. So, Father, here's a, a specific prayer that we are praying for everybody under the sound of my voice, whether they feel or they know or they believe that they need it or not. I am praying, oh God, that you send your Holy Spirit into every single person's life under the sound of my voice by near and by far. People watching us in Antigua right now, in Africa, in Ireland, wherever they are right now, send your Holy Spirit into their lives right now. And here's what we're asking, oh God. Your word says that when your Holy Spirit comes in, the first thing that it does, it does not do anything else first, it comes in to convict us of sin. God, come into our lives right now. Show us where we're wrong. Show us where we're messing up. Show us where we keep making the same mistake over and over again thinking that we're going to have a different result, at the end of the day, that's the definition of insanity. Help us, oh God. Send your spirit into our lives to speak wisdom, to speak truth, to give us, oh, that's it, purpose and direction in our lives. To put our feet on the right pathway, oh God, and to lead us into salvation. And now, God, oh, I'm praying for those who had enough courage today to come down here and admit, I need rehab and I need help. Yes. We thank you, oh God, for their courage today. As the people of God, we lift them up on spiritual shoulders. We apologize for the church. But today, oh God, we will not judge them. Mm -mm -mm. We will not condemn them. In fact, we just accept them into us because, God, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, even our righteousness is as filthy rags. We all need your help. So we welcome them, God, into our fold today. They made a decision, oh God, and we know the devil will be after them even now. Secure them, God. Protect them. Provide a hedge of protection all around them, O oh God. Put Satan on a leash, O oh God, so that they may keep their feet on the path of righteousness. We thank you for what you've done here tonight. We thank you, O oh God, for what you are doing in our lives. God, so thankful, O oh Lord, that you're willing to reason with us, God. Though our sins be as scarlet, thank you, O oh God. Yes, 
you don't cast us off at every moment of our sin. I'm so grateful, oh God, that when Satan wants to take a snapshot of our sin (laughs) and run to heaven and show it to you, you're not interested in the snapshot, oh God. You are interested in seeing the end of the movie. (laughs) God, if we just fall forward, doesn't matter if we fall. If we fall forward, God, you accept that and you apply grace and mercy to our lives. Thank you, O Lord, for what you've done. Mm. Thank you for what you're doing right now. And thank you, O God, for what you will do in our lives. Let all the church say amen. 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 And amen. If you believe God's word, just put your hands together for what God has done. Those of you who need special prayer, our prayer warriors in Elder Hall will take you to my left, your right. Those of you who came down, mm-hmm. uh, please uh, come, come. Where's my sweetheart, Sister Susan? Uh, get, 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 sweetheart. And my brothers that were down here, uh, Sister Carol's um, family members. Let's. Uh, she stepped out there, but we'll wait on her as well. Let's just praise the Lord for those that have come tonight. Amen. Well, come on in. Come on in here. You only thought God could move at eleven o'clock, didn't you? You didn't know that the Holy Ghost could move on Saturday evening, amen? Praise the Lord. Sister Carol, uh, those uh, your family members, go uh, take them to my office for me. Praise the Lord. At this time right now, we want to uh, just remind everybody, before you leave, we have an announcement that needs to be made, but downstairs, we're going to have some ice cream, and we're going to, you know, do what we talked about, have a little fun, amen? So just join us afterward, just for a little while, come down, have some ice cream Sundays or whatever, whatever else, and just fellowship, have a good time. And uh, after it, at, at the conclusion of the service, we'll be here tomorrow night at what time, everybody? Mm-hmm. What time we'll be here tomorrow night? And then when we're going to be back here again on Wednesday night, and then we're going to close that thing out on Friday night and the weekend as well. Uh, offering, yes. While we're lifting the offering, let's lift the offering at this time. We want to invite Elder Cox. She'll come forward. Say amen for Elder Cox. Amen. amen. So rows among thorns up here. Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I want to tell you that uh, uh, we've been having some tremendous blessings over there in the prayer room. So many young people are coming asking for prayer. And, uh, and so I want to invite, if you are a prayer warrior, I know you're sitting in here during the meetings, but, uh, you know, we would welcome you too to pray with us in the prayer room. So we want to have a 12 hour, uh, prayer chain starting tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow at noon. We're going to begin, uh, at, at noon and we're going to pray nonstop right through until midnight. We did this uh, last year for 24 hours. It was such a tremendous blessing. So I'm inviting everyone. You don't have to be a prayer part of the prayer ministry. But as a matter of fact, you are part of the prayer ministry. I'm inviting everyone to tune into the prayer line. Copy the number down right now. You dial a 1 before 712-775-7000. And the code is uh, 521280. And then you hit the pound key. And follow the instructions. We want victory. As a matter of fact, so many people are getting victory. We've been uh, studying about prayer all through the week. All day today, we've been hearing about prayer. Do you want victory in your life? Let me see your hands. You want victory? Let's come together and do it together. Now, the interesting thing about it is that um, between the hours of 6 and 9, most of us or all of us will be here. So another church, other churches, Akron, Bethel, Southeast, and Youngstown, they're going to continue the prayer chain. And then when we are through here, when we get home, we can reconnect with that prayer chain and we're going to pray all the way through until midnight. Isn't that a beautiful thing? 
We're going to see what God can do for us individually and together. Thank you. Now, here's the thing. I'd like someone or individuals to uh, join with us and to lead out for half an hour. So I'm going to ask all of the elders to pick an hour. I'm not going to tell you what hour, but if somebody else has that hour, just slip to another hour. So you know what to do. Pick an hour because we just need one person to be leading out into prayer to just assign the prayer and give the assignments of prayer as we go ahead, as we go on. I will be on at 1 o'clock. Someone else will be, on, will be there to start at noon. So I need people to be there for two, people to be there for three, people to be there for four, and for five. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together and let's be dismissed. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we praise you tonight. You once again have demonstrated how awesome you are.